The Trouble with Transformation, a serialised podcast by Alison Wynn. Chapter 32, Outslipping the Slippery. Our plan was down spiralling. We hadn't heard from Jim. Danny and Mr J were still trying to figure out how to power your maddening machine. And in around 15 hours, we'd have to pack the science fair projects in the car and drive down to Brisbane. How can it be Friday afternoon already? I asked Danny as our final class let out for the day. I elbow nudged him. Look at them, the lucky things. A twinge of envy pricked as I gestured towards my classmates, from one eager face to the next. Off to the beach, or the glitz. Come on, G, Danny said. It'll all come together. He said the words, but the uncertainty in his eyes was a dead giveaway. Danny broke the news to me last night. He and the Jansons had exhausted every option but one. The clean fusion reactor. It all boiled down to this. In order to produce the kind of power required to transform matter, we needed to release energy via a process that mimicked the sun. Only that sun was contained in a high-tech tube in Mr J's lab. A tube that reached up to 180 million degrees on the inside, and the only thing stopping that kind of heat from turning the Janssen's concrete compound into a puddle of goo in the desert were some very strategically aligned magnetic forces. So it wasn't without some serious misgivings that I said to Danny as we filed out of the classroom. Mr Bell or not, I'm going to the lab with you and Betty this afternoon. But we talked about, no buts, I'm coming. And that's that. We're just going to have to think of a way to give Mr Bell the slip. Tonight's our last chance, and I want to be there. As we neared the gate, I caught sight of someone weaving determinedly through the clusters of kids loitering along the pathway. My heart gripped. Brian! Of all the days, he could choose to exact his revenge. But then I saw the floppy hair, the awkward lean of his shoulders. My breath let out. It was only Sean. <sighs> only Sean. Believe me, Dad, I wanted to speak with him, clear up the past, thank him for helping me back when no one else would, say sorry for not doing the same for him. But now was not the time. I grabbed Danny's elbow and put on some speed. Ginger! Sean called. Danny looked over his shoulder. I urged him on. We can't get caught up in school stuff today. We have to go. Danny met my eyes and gave a reluctant nod. We were going to need every precious moment between now and the dawn. We hurried through the gate. As we turned toward the side street where Betty's car was usually parked, something caught my eye. I pulled up short. Right in front of the school, impossible to ignore, sat a huge black Hummer. Standing beside it, waiting to greet me, was Mr. Bell. My shoulders tensed. There was no way I could pretend I didn't see him. Hey, Mr. B. I raised my eyebrows and pointedly looked the car up and down. Through the rear-tinted windows, I glimpsed a panel of flashing lights and felt the muffled vibration of music. Nice ride. Been driving around with hip-hop gangsters today? Hello, Ginger. He smiled his thin-lipped smile. Yes, something like that. Well then, my man, let's live the life. 
I opened the door and cranked up the backseat stereo. The air around us trembled with bass. A few of my schoolmates turned to stare and we caught a few whistles. Thankfully, there was no sign of Sean. I used the distraction to take a quick glimpse around the interior, noting the tinted window between the passenger and the driver's seat. Home, Belle! I shouted over the music, tossing my bag inside and scooting onto the back seat. Danny shot me a puzzled look, and I leaned over and whispered to him from behind the cover of the door. Ask Betty to pull up alongside the Hummer and distract Mr. Bell. I should be able to manage the rest. He looked at me in confusion, then his eyes widened with comprehension. He gave me a furtive thumbs up as he closed up the car. I pressed a button and Mr. Bell's voice came through the intercom loud and clear. Yes, Ginger? Thanks for thinking of me, Mr. B, I said. Man, it's been a rough day at school. This is just what I needed. I could really use a drink, though. Where's the fridge in this thing? You'll find there's one set in the back of the car seat in front of you. I've taken the liberty of removing all the alcoholic beverages. Very considerate of you, Mr. B. I pretended to tinker for a moment, then added, How'd you get the door open? There must be some knack to it. There's a hidden button. You just need to tap. Ginger, would you mind turning the music down? I turned the music down and the car stopped shaking. Then I feigned ignorance while Mr. B talked me step by step through locating and opening the mini fridge door. To his credit, his voice remained steady all the while. Me? I'd been keeping an eye on the front left side mirrors. When I caught a glimpse of silver and black, I sang through the intercom, Got it, Mr. B. Thank you. Then I shut off the channel. A moment later, Betty Sunbeam Talbot pulled alongside us, and the driver window opened. Excuse me, mate. Bruce was shouting, but it came across as a muffled underwater sound from where I was sitting. He tapped on the Hummer's front passenger window. I could only see the silhouette of Mr. Bell and couldn't gauge his reaction, but he reached forward and I saw the front window come down. I took that opportunity to quietly open the traffic side door. Can I help you? I heard Mr Bell ask, as I drop rolled from under the Hummer door and carefully pressed it closed. Sorry to bother you, mate, Bruce said, but my sat-nav's gone haywire. He tapped the blank screen on the dashboard. Supposed to be taking Mr. Jansen's girl Betty here to meet her parents out at Emu Falls, and I'm not sure of the best way to head out of town. You wouldn't have a clue, would you? Bruce's brows knitted together as Mr. Bell provided meticulously detailed directions to Emu Falls. In the meantime, I shimmied up under the door that Danny had just opened for me and tucked into the footwell of the Sunbeam Talbot. Danny closed the door and tapped the back of the front seat. So let me get this straight. I take the third ride off Bielke Peterson Avenue. Bruce cut off short. Never mind. I get it now. I tell you, I'm hopelessly addicted to all these techno gadgets we've got these days. Don't know what I'd do if I had to go back to reading a map. He tipped his hat to Mr. Bell and pulled Freya out into the traffic. How'd I do? Bruce called over his shoulder. Awesome, Betty said, giving him the thumbs up. What about you, Sparky? Comfy enough back there? I grinned up at Bruce via the rearview mirror. The footwell of Danny's seat was snug, 
but for once it was an advantage to be pint-sized. Nice one, Bruce, I said, settling into the back seat and buckling my seatbelt. With any luck, old Mr B won't realise I'm gone till he's pulled into the garage at home. Danny frowned. You don't think he'll flip and call Cat? What if they think you've been kidnapped or something? Hmm, I hadn't thought of that. Danny made a good point. It was one thing to be out and about while Cat was away. It was another to have her freaking out, thinking I had been abducted or something. Okay, here's what I'll do. I'll give Mr Bell 15 minutes to get home, then I'll message him to say I'm staying at a friend's house. Which friend? Danny quizzed. Ah, that'll be the mystery. And if he tries to ring you? I flashed my sweetest smile. My phone will just happen to be switched off. Sounds like a plan to me. Why do you think it's kind of strange you just sneaked off without telling him? Betty asked. I laughed. He'll find it annoying, but not unusual. Right then, back to business. How are we going to get this maniac of a machine working? 